The views expressed on Teacher Vision are those of the interviewee and interviewer and do not represent Screenlance Allies as a whole. And welcome to episode three of Teacher Vision, where everyone has a different vision of learning. My name is Jose Briseño, and this is episode three of the podcast brought to you by Screenless Allies. On episode three, we're going to bring you part three of the interview with Courtney Greer, teacher of the visually impaired from Amarillo, Texas. On this part, we're going to focus on the evolution of teaching over the years since when she started about 25 years ago till now. We will also discuss the woes of virtual learning for the blind and visually impaired, along with some more qualifications that somebody must have in order to succeed in the field of working with the blind and visually impaired. But before we roll it, let's check out some highlights from episode number two. I probably have a combined teaching style. I believe in direct, hands-on instruction. Teaching technology and teaching braille are natural fits. Visually impaired students often can't see the mouse. And everything that we are so accustomed to doing with a mouse, they could do with a keyboard. If you have not listened to episode two, I highly recommend listening to both one and two, actually, since they both give you a little bit more information. If you already listened to episodes one and two, then let's get on with episode three on Teacher Vision. All right, Miss Cordy, so this question is going to be a bit of an interesting one. You've been here for a while in the teaching side of things. What have you noticed evolve over the years that you can say you've had to change how to teach the concept since you started to now? Because I've been around in this for close to 25 years now. It makes me sound really old. But the pendulum swings in this field a lot. There's always a shift in focus. Sometimes it's academic students. Then it swings back to our more multiply impaired students. I think the biggest change I've seen has been the change in the Braille code. When we made the switch from the English Braille code over to the Unified English Braille code, which started about 2016 for me. So when we made that transition over, a lot of people left the field at that point because of the major changes to the code. All right, so I'm going to go back a little bit and ask you another describe question. So for those people that don't understand what the heck this even means, how would you describe a Braille code? Is that something like cursive slash print? Because in print, you obviously have those two, cursive and print. Would you say that the Braille code is similar or would you say it describes the language of Braille? Or what, what is a Braille code? Can you describe that for us, please? Braille is literacy. For my students that are blind, that are Braille readers, Braille is absolutely literacy, just like sighted people read books with their eyes. My students learn to read Braille tactily, and it is absolutely their key to literacy. The Braille code is one, it's not a single code, and it is complex. Imagine all of the letters of the alphabet built out of six dots, but that's just grade one Braille. You go into contractions, whole words, punctuation, all of the symbols we use in print, there is an equivalent symbol for in Braille. But you only have six dots to work with. And the combination of those dots creates that literacy for individuals who are blind or visually impaired. 
All right, so I'm going to interfere a little bit and describe what contractions are. She said contractions a little while ago, and I do need to explain what they are. So think of it as shortcuts. For example, in Braille, let's use the word the, T-H-E. In Braille, you can write that as a shortcut or a contraction. So whereas in print, you would write T-H-E. In Braille, you type or write in a dot combination, and it would make the word the. In this case, dots two, three, four, and six. Now, in the old days with the old English Braille code, you could combine two contractions. For example, two, T-O, the, T-H-E. You could write those in two cells without having to space them out if you were using the contracted Braille code. However, with this new code, you now have to write in T-O space, and then you could write the shortcut the, T-H-E. So that's how contractions work. Now, there are so many of them out there, but this is just one example. All right, Miss Courtney, so now tell me what is something that you would say people that want to go into this field, what should they have or be able to do when they go into this field? There's actually two things I can think of that people entering this field have to have. One is you have to have an open mind and be willing to learn. And the second is you have to be flexible. Right. So flexible as in if you have Saturday and Sunday classes, you've got to be committed to take those in order for you to learn and succeed in this field, correct? Yes. And flexible with things don't always go as planned. Things are constantly changing. You're constantly learning new things. At times you're covering for another teacher. I work itinerantly, so that means I don't have a set classroom anywhere. I travel to my students and to my schools. And sometimes that may mean I'm in five different schools on a day. So that's right. So that is a great point that Courtney touched on. So when you're a teacher of the visually impaired, you're going to be traveling quite a lot. You don't have a set classroom. Now, it's rare, but you do have one or two of them somewhere that do have a classroom. But the majority of the time, you will have to do a lot of traveling. Now, that could be from the school that's a couple of blocks away, or you can be going 10, 20 miles in one day. And you'll be doing that all day to get from one student to another. We live in a rural community. Amarillo is not so rural, but the outlying cities are. So someone might combine services in Pampa, in Borger, in Skellytown, in three or four locations. So they're doing even more driving just to see a student. And there may only be one student there. And you also mentioned open-minded. So that also means you can't be going, ew, I don't like touching hands. That's so awkward. <laughs> ew, get away from me. You cannot. And you have to constantly be learning new things. I started this job with strengths in technology and Braille. This year, my caseload has turned over. So I have a whole lot more um, multiply impaired and cortically visually impaired students that I am serving. So that's not my comfort zone. I'm really having to do more research. I'm having to learn new techniques. I'm having to grow my own experience and create new materials that I was not as comfortable with. Like everyone, when they first learn something new, they're definitely uncomfortable when they first start. But how do you feel now that you're learning this a little bit more? Do you feel more comfortable with it? Are you still struggling? How do you feel nowadays? I do feel more comfortable than I did probably in my first couple of years in this job, doing the active learning and working with students with cortical visual impairment. I've also found lots more tools in doing research that have made that job easier for me, but I still challenge myself because every kid deserves the very best education I can provide them. 
And so I have to push myself to be the student's advocate, their teacher, to also work with the teachers and build a rapport with them so that there's a continuity. I might see a student once or twice a week. The teacher sees them every day. So I really feel like this field is one of collaboration and cooperation. It truly takes a whole team to educate our students. All right. So as of this recording, we have been going through a bit of a pandemic, as everyone already knows. And I'm not going to touch on it. I'm not even going to say the word that describes this pandemic. But tell me something that you can say that you've struggled with in regards to teaching virtually, because a lot of schools have gone to the virtual world. Can you tell me something that has been challenging for you in regards to teaching virtually compared to when you were in person with these students? One of the challenges is, even though we're living in a more virtual world, and the pandemic forced us all into virtual learning back in March, it is really difficult to teach Braille to a student virtually. There is still lots of There's lots of kinks to be able to know that their fingers are in the right places, that they're reading accurately. It's difficult. In addition, O&M, which is a partner field to VI, is travel skills. O&M stands for orientation and mobility, by the way. This is all about the kink travel and being able to navigate successfully as a blind person around your surroundings. So teaching orientation and mobility in a virtual setting presents a whole new batch of challenges. This concludes part three of the interview with Courtney Greer. Stay tuned to the final part where we have closing thoughts and I test Courtney's tech smarts with a little mini game. If you wish to know more information about Screenless Allies, I encourage you to check out our website, screenlessallies.com, S-C-R-E-E-N-L-E-S-S, a-L-L-I-E-S dot com. Like our page on Facebook, facebook.com slash Screenless Allies official. You can also email us info at screenlessallies.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode and see you next time for the final part. Thanks for listening.